Hello and welcome back to the Growing Patriot Podcast, American History for Kids. I'm your host, Amelia Hamilton. Last week I told you a few fun things to know about the Bill of Rights, and this week we're going to find out a little bit more about how it came to be, why, and what it does. Those who have listened to the podcast regularly will probably remember our new our guest today, Tony Williams from the Bill of Rights Institute. Tony, it's great to have you back. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to come on and, and talk about history and civics. Yeah. So, all right, we are digging into the Bill of Rights and we are going to be going through every amendment. But first, I just want to get a handle on, well, why we needed a Bill of Rights why it matters, and most importantly, how can you tell if something is a right? So let's start with, first of all, why we have a Bill of Rights. Right, well, well, we have a Bill of Rights. I mean, historically, it's very interesting how it developed because in the wake of the American Revolution and the Declaration of Independence, uh, all the states wrote constitutions, state constitutions, and most of them included a Declaration of Rights. Okay, and those were really important and it was tradition over the previous decade and really coming out of the English tradition like Magna Carta and the Petition of Rights and so forth, John Locke. And uh, the Anglo-American tradition was that you write these rights down to protect them and to limit government, to set boundaries for how much the government can, can you know, impede upon your rights, right? Uh, very important principle. And this idea was very important to the American founders as they went into the Constitutional Convention of 1787. And the whole purpose of the convention was to write a stronger constitution to protect rights, okay? Uh, But during the convention, actually right at the end of the convention, George Mason of Virginia, who was the primary author of the Virginia Declaration of Rights, proposed to the convention that they should sit down, it might take a few hours, he said, uh, to write a Bill of Rights. And it's really interesting to to think uh, to, and to learn that the convention unanimously rejected the idea. Um, I think practically uh, they wanted to go home. Uh, they had been debating for, for several months and wanted to return to their farms and their families. Uh, but they also knew that it wouldn't take just a few hours. <laughs> it would really take a lot of deliberation to get it right. And so it was unanimously rejected. But during the whole ratification debate, uh, the anti-federalists who opposed the ratification, they kept arguing for a Bill of Rights. Okay, And interestingly enough, a lot of federalists, including James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and a, a Pennsylvanian named James Wilson, actually argued against it. Uh, And there's very interesting reasons why. It it can get complex, but a few reasons why, very simply, that they rejected it is one, uh, they thought the states already had constitutions and and bills of rights, so it was unnecessary. Uh, But but most importantly, they said that the Constitution itself was a bill of rights. And I think that's something that we lose today. The idea that a whole framework of government the whole reason for having a constitutional republic is to protect the people's rights and liberties, okay? However, 
they made those arguments uh, during the ratification debate. The Federalists kind of caved in and made some promises that they would have a Bill of Rights in the first Congress. Uh, and so the Constitution is, of course, ratified. And the first Congress meets and uh, James Madison actually changed his mind and became the main proponent, you might say the father of the Bill of Rights. And he proposes it uh, during that June 8th speech. And a lot of people don't seem to care. <laughs> uh, one uh, delegate to Congress, one representative said that uh, it was like a tub to the whale. And what that meant was like in whaling, uh, there was a, it was a distraction. It was like a little boat just mm -hmm. meant to uh, send out to distract the whale during this whale hunt. Uh, and uh, said that we don't really have time for it. It's really a mere distraction. Let's just move on with our business of setting up the government. Madison uh, kept pressing. Uh, he eventually was appointed to a committee. Uh, they drafted uh, eventually many uh, rights. Uh, the Senate agreed to, they, they passed 17 of them. Eventually the entire Congress got together and passed 12. Uh, they were sent to the states and the 10 of those uh, were uh, ratified by the states as uh, the Bill of Rights, as the first 10 amendments of the Constitution. Um, so, so it's really important that we have that. Uh, in many ways, you know, the Bill of Rights enumerates certain rights, some of them natural rights, most of them civil rights, the basic essential rights of the people uh, of Americans. Um, and it's really important to note that however much attention though we pay to that Bill of Rights, which is really, really important. I mean, I work for the Bill of Rights Institute. Mm -hmm. I, I really take mm -hmm. this stuff seriously. We also need to remember that the Constitution, the framework of government, our, our republic, our democracy, really is itself a Bill of Rights. The purpose of government was established to protect those rights uh, and uh, the, the government cannot violate those rights, right? So, so the democratic government by nature provides for limited government. And we should never forget that because as much as they're written down, you know, government can violate what James Madison called a parchment barrier. It's just a paper barrier. What's more important is that the government understands that it's limited and doesn't violate rights. Mm -hmm. Goodness. Okay. So you talked about civil rights and natural rights, and I definitely want to go back to that. So what, what is the difference? What do those mean? Yeah, it, it's really important. It's something that's not really understood today. And 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 let's keep it simple, right? A natural right, uh, we can find them in the Declaration of Independence, right? When Thomas Jefferson and the Congress writes, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, right? That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A natural right is something you have by nature, by your human nature. It's embedded into your human nature from a higher source, right? Uh, in the Declaration, it says we were endowed by them from a creator, okay? Uh, so a creator, a higher source, God, uh, gave us these natural rights. And, and, and they're, you know, they're the most basic essential rights as a human being right and what it means to be unalienable or inalienable is that you can't be alienated from them in other words you can't be separated from your rights no government can justly 
take them away without your consent. Now, of course, you, you know, we are, we know there's boundaries, right? No right is literally unlimited, right? If you commit some terrible crime, you can lose your liberty and go to jail. Okay, but the government has to follow certain procedures uh, to take that liberty away from you, right? Need to have a grand jury and a, and a fair trial by jury. Uh, it needs to give you the right to appeal and so forth. So it has to follow certain procedures in order to guarantee you justice and to make sure it doesn't violate those rights uh, unjustly. But there are rights that we have by nature, the most important rights, life, liberty, um, property, uh, your religious liberty, your freedom of conscience. The founders saw that as a, a natural right. They all agreed upon that. Now, that's very different from a civil right, right? A civil right is something that you get from being a member of a political community, right? A political right or a civil right or, or from being a citizen. So in other words, uh, just a couple of examples. One is a right to a trial by jury, okay? Mm -hmm. That's really an essential right in, in the history of England and, and in America, but there's no natural right to uh, to a trial by jury. In other words, you could have a judge uh, rule justly uh, on these things. You don't have to have a trial by jury. But Americans, uh, and based upon the English model, saw it as, as an important right, and so now it's guaranteed in, in the Bill of Rights. Same thing with free speech, right? Uh, free speech is, is really essential to um, giving consent in a democracy. Uh, representative government is based upon that free speech. We like to express ourselves freely as individuals. We want to be able to criticize government. So there's a lot of good reasons for free speech, but there are also a lot of limits on speech too, right? You can't incite violence or you can't yell fire in a crowded theater as a famous example from the Supreme Court. So, so certain rights you have from being a member of the political community or a citizen or living in America and other rights you just have from God, from nature, nature's God, um, and they're embedded in the fabric of your human nature. Uh, so you can't be separated from them very easily. Uh, and so your natural right might be your most important rights and your civil rights are, are all of those rights we can talk about by living in America, by being citizens. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but how how can we tell if something is a right or just something that we wish everybody could have? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that, that's a very common belief, right, in yes. today's society. And and in a certain way, uh, you know, we know that there are certain rights. Okay, so let's start there. Uh, you know, we have natural rights. Um, some of them we need to actually deliver it over and define. Um, and, and other rights are written down, right? So they're, they're you know, state bills of rights and the, and the national bill of rights and, and the constitution itself has several rights that are protected. Uh, there are laws uh, uh, that protect our rights as well. So uh, now there are other things which we would like to have, but they're not actually rights, or maybe we think they're rights and kind of claim them as rights, but they're really not. But I think that that's really the genius of our democratic political system, right? Is that, you know, the people may have certain expectations of rights. And, and I actually think that's a very good thing, actually, that, that even in certain situations where maybe students don't have free speech or, or kids say to their parents, I have my free speech, so say what I want, right? <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. Uh, I think that that... 
uh, sort of reflexive desire for rights, if you will, that, that, that claim on rights that people make all the time. I actually think that's a healthy thing because it shows that even as we might be a little ignorant about what exactly our rights are, how far they extend, uh, you know, we don't always understand the limits or even what rights we have sometimes. We should, right? We should educate ourselves looking at the Bill of Rights, looking at the Constitution. That it's good that, that Americans want those rights. Uh, I, I think that's a great thing. And the beauty of our system is that we get to sit and debate about it freely. And we get to deliberate or debate or have conversations with our lawmakers and with our fellow citizens about what rights we should have. And there are huge debates about lots of rights out there. Uh, a lot of them are going on uh, even as we speak. Uh, so uh, that's healthy and that's good because if we lived under uh, you know, a more strict government, uh, we wouldn't have that ability to, to make claims on rights and to, to sit here and talk about what rights we should have. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. And it, it really speaks to our freedom that, that we think we, we deserve a lot of rights. So I like, I like looking at it that way. Right. Um, so then coming into the present day, we talked about there's a lot of conversations happening. Why, why is the Bill of Rights still important? That was, you know, more than 200 years ago. Does it still matter? Yeah, you, you know, I think it does. I, and, and I think there's an unfortunate tendency in today's society and our culture to say, well, you know, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration, that was really good for an earlier age, right? That was really good for 1776 or 1787, but we've progressed so much farther than that, right? Or, you know, we live in a modern, complicated society with lots of technology and instantaneous communication and all these advances. Uh, and so, the, that those conversations, those documents, they're, they're, they're old, right? They don't really apply today. But I would argue just the opposite, right? Um, you know, the, the Declaration of Independence, for example, like, asserts our most fundamental rights as human beings, talks about the whole purpose for having our government, right? Which, and we still have that form of government, so it's still really relevant today. And, and it's the Constitution, right? So the Constitution, uh, as it might be, what, 230 or so years old, uh, but it's still very relevant, right? Uh, the idea is that it, it's been able to expand, right? So for so just one example, right? The, the government uh, can, can regulate trade, okay, across state lines, right? Or with other nations. Whether that trade takes place in a wagon or whether it takes place on an airplane doesn't really matter, right? They, they wrote it, the genius, I think, of the founding and, and of the framers of the Constitution is that they wrote it in such a way that it, it really has endured because it's been able to still be applied to today's changing world. So it's still really relevant, right? And, and that is the system we live under, right? Mm -hmm. If people want to change that system or they want to get, get amendments to change it, I, that's all fine. We can have that conversation, but that is the system we live under. Uh, and, and I think if we really thought about it, we'd be grateful that we live under 
a constitutional system with the rule of law, with limited government, with our rights protected. Uh, I think we all want that, right? Whether you're liberal or conservative, more right, more left, Democrat, Republican, that's all fine, right? We can have those conversations and sometimes debates, um, but uh, we should all enjoy living under that system, right? And there's a reason why a lot of people come to this country to live um, because of those rights. And I think, you know, the Bill of Rights is still obviously very applicable, um, you know, and and you can see um, in our debates, though, although at times they can be pretty rough and pretty contentious, um, again, it's because people care about their rights and they want to define those rights and different people from different perspectives are going to look at them a little bit differently. And, and that's OK. And that's OK, because we want to really get in, you know, free speech, you know, religious freedom, uh, you know, the Second Amendment and gun ownership. Um, you know, we, you know, we argue about abortion. Uh, we argue about all these big topics. And in many ways, I think that that's a reflection of how healthy our system is, is that we want to define our rights. We want to define the limits of government, right, in terms of violating those rights. And, and we want to sort of express as a people what, what we hold dear, uh, what we value. Um, in terms of our rights. And, and so I, I tend to look at those conversations, if they're civil, <laughs> right, if we're not engaging in name calling, but we're really trying to uh, debate uh, our viewpoints, uh, then I think that that's a very good thing indeed. But, you know, all these documents, all these rights, uh, the, all these principles, let's say of limited government, of self-government, of the rule of law, all very, very important today. I, I, I don't think if you thought about the alternative that anyone would really want to live under a different system. Yeah. One thing I love about our founding documents is that it's something that unites us all. You know, a lot of people think about division these days and they talk about all the things that make us different, but we can love all the things that make us different and still you know, this shows that we're all equal under the law and we all have these same rights. And I love that as a point that brings us all together. So that is that becomes more relevant as we move forward and keep getting more diverse. Yeah, you, you know, I, I think that that's true. I think it's very true. Uh, we embrace it at the Bill of Rights Institute. Mm -hmm. I embrace it. I embrace it in my books that, you know, even as we have all these debates as Americans in our society about about policy, right? We're really arguing about laws and policies. Um, but if we can unite around those principles, and I'm not sure actually we always do, but if we can unite around those ideals, about the principles, about what it means to be an American, I think that that would be the foundation of a healthier conversation, right? Over a coffee or over our, our fence with our neighbor or so forth, over the dinner table. Uh, I think we would have healthier conversations and, and more more meaningful conversations about, well, what does it mean to be an American? What are our rights? What are the limits of government? Um, these are important questions to ask. And, and frankly, uh, we should not ever stop asking them, right? Uh, we shouldn't revere these documents so much that we just think they're set in stone or marble and can't talk about them because we should, we, you know, we give sort of meaning to these documents in, in terms of how we deliberate, how we debate, how we talk about these things. Uh, and, and, we, and, 
and we do shape our understanding of them over time. Uh, and so I, I think that that conversation is always going to be here, and I think it should uh, always be an important part of our, our democratic process. It definitely is. And we appreciate you coming on to have that conversation with us today and explain a little bit about the Bill of Rights. Yeah, a great interview, great questions, really important questions uh, for, for our young people listening and, and all citizens listening uh, to, uh, to, to think about. Thanks so much for listening. What did you learn about the Bill of Rights today? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Growing Patriots or at growingpatriots.com. Can't wait to see you next time when we start to dig into every single amendment, starting, of course, with the first.